What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, March 13, 2023. It's about 11.05 in the morning here on the East Coast of the United States. Ray McGovern uh, joins us on the program. Ray, always a pleasure. Thanks very much for being here. When when you were here last, uh, we were talking about the destruction of the Nord Stream Pipeline uh, by your former colleagues uh, in, in the CIA and their colleagues uh, in the Navy, uh, and the extraordinary research uh, done by a man you and I both admire, Cy Hirsch, uh, to point out in great detail what was done. And, and then, of course, the government came out not with its own version, but with some silly supposition. It, it's almost too ridiculous to say with a straight face, they saw a guy in a sailboat in the, the Baltic Sea, and they think it might have been done by the guy in the sailboat. So before we get into what kind of mental processes officers of the CIA have when they're asked to do something which morality tells them is illegal, I would like you to address the probability that the Nord Stream pipeline was blown up in the manner that Cy Hirsch has said it was, namely by Navy SEALs and CIA divers at the express instruction of the President of the United States, an ally, the United States, attacking an ally, Germany, a war crime. Well, Judge, you're right about the war crime. And uh, I have to say, with respect to Cy Hirsch, whom I've watched for decades now, uh, he's he's not infallible. I mean, even the Pope is not infallible. <laughs> but he's got a... <laughs> A 95% record, not only of being right, but of protecting his sources. Now, that's key here. Uh, Somebody with a conscience, somebody who remembered their oath to uh, support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, said, my God, (laughs) are we trying to make not only Ukraine a basket case, but Europe as well? And they're going to find out about this. This is crazy. So this person or persons went to Cy and gave him chapter and verse. I mean, there is a wealth of detail in there. As Cy puts it, there's enough there to convince them that I've got more. I just don't say more because I don't want to identify the source. Now, what's behind all this? Well, it's these benighted, elite, uh, extraordinary, uh, what they call exceptional people who think they can work their will on everyone, including allies like Germany. So far, and it's been, what, 78 years since the war. So far, it's worked. Will it work anymore? Well, I don't think so, because we can suppress, or the the press can suppress um, Psy's story here in the United States. It is going viral in Europe, 
And the real question, of course, is how much did Kanzler Scholz, the chancellor, how much did he know about it? Well, he stood next to Bush, next to, Bush, next to Biden. <laughs> and when Biden said, yeah, we can do it, I promise you there will be no more Illinois stream. He's standing there, and then the very talented uh, Reuters lady, who's, who's bilingual, she says, Herr Kanzler, was, was halten Sie davon? What do you think about that? And he looked like <laughs> he, he sure didn't want to ask that, answer that question. So yeah. he, he went back to the default position. He said, we do everything together. There's nothing important that we do that we don't do together. Now, the question for the, American, for the German people is, <laughs> the old one, what did Chancellor Scholz know? And when did he know it? He, he might be and must be and ought to be in danger of losing his job, A, if he knew about this, B, if he didn't know about this and didn't do anything about it. Now, we know he famously met with the president alone for an hour, no translators and no uh, assistants there, uh, two Fridays ago. And then a week ago today, the New York Times came out with that absurd story that uh, the CIA folks had leaked to it. That's a, a guy in a sailboat, again, it's absurd, uh, on the Baltic Sea. They're trying to find him. They think he might have had something to do with it. We all know you've said this. Size sources have said this. The Danes said it. The Swedes said it. This was of such magnitude that only a government could possibly have gotten away with it. Oh, so blame it on the Russians. Right. President Putin's going to destroy his own pipeline. That's absurd. Well, John Brennan said, and of course, John Brennan's record is, well, let's not talk about John Brennan's record. That's what they all said for the first 24 hours. Remember, Russia has taken a big shot at its own foot by killing us. Well, that's no longer. But let me, let me comment on why Schultz came here alone, didn't even bring his wife, right? No press. Why there was no press conference beforehand, well, we know what happened last time on February 7th last year. Uh, when the, the press media event took place, Biden was very careful to read from his script and didn't say another word. Why did Charles come? I said immediately, just speculation now. This is not the kind of detail that Cy Hirsch has. This is McGovern's speculation. I said immediately that they needed to get their story straight. And what Schultz said to Joe Biden, he said, now, Joe, listen, you didn't tell me anything on the 7th of May when we were together, together. I kept saying together, but you didn't tell me anything. You got that, Joe. You got that. And OK, Biden says, all right, I think I got it. And then Biden says, oh, we have this cover story. Uh, our CIA, very imaginative propagandists have come up with we think we can blame it on some Ukrainian group. What do you think? Uh, what do you think, Olaf? Oh, let me look. Oh, okay. Let's let's run with it. The next day, <laughs> New York Times and uh, what is it? Die, Die Zeit, the biggest, biggest weekly in, in Germany, ran with that story within hours of each other. So uh, Schultz was here to make sure that Biden didn't tell the Germans that he told Schultz before the pipeline. Right. Thing. And he was right. also here to approve uh, or to get his intelligence people to approve this cockamamie story, uh, which is really a disgrace to any intelligence officer who 
who knows uh, what the truth is and who has to fall back on the notion that it doesn't have to be true or just has to grab the headlines and divert attention from what Cy Hirsch said for three or four days. That's all you need. Uh, the clarifications, if they ever come, will be on page A17. Now, when the CIA is asked to do something like this, something they know is a violation of international law, are there debates within the CIA, or do they just snap to because their boss has offered uh, has ordered them to do it? There are two CIOs, two CIAs, Judge. The analysis group that Truman set up to tell them like it is, right? He didn't want cockamamie intelligence. He wanted what he called untreated intelligence. Okay. And then there are the operatives. Now, in my experience, 27 years, very, very seldom did the analysts get a chop on the operations. If they told the analysts that they're going to mine um, Nicaraguan harbors, the analysts would have said, what the hell? That's, you're going to get you're going to get brought before the world court. What the hell is that going to do? Uh, so they don't tell the analysts. And in this case, it could be that one analyst or somebody at the very top said, well, they told me about this. This is crazy. So I'm going to tell Cy Hirsch. In other words, short, short story is the operatives go by that clause in the National Security Act of 1947 that set up the CIA that says, and I quote, the president shall perform, I'm sorry, the director of central intelligence shall perform such other functions and duties as the president shall from time to time direct, period. Include, including killing innocent people and invading an ally. Hey, it's against, it's against, uh, well, we do what the president says. So you have a fellow like uh, William Burns who knows which end is up, right? And he, as, as Cy Hirsch relates, He's told to do this. His guys have said, oh, we can do it. The Navy has said, and the Norwegians are helping. Yeah, we can do it. And then he says, Bill Burr, the president said, do it. Do it. And that's the way it works. The only head of intelligence, and I worked directly under him, his name was Bill Colby. He used to, he used to give us these covert action plans. And what do you guys think? What do you think? Chances were we'd say, well, so you're going to replace the, the, the lieutenant colonels in, in Portugal that, that, that threw out the fascists? Whose idea is that? Well, it was Kissinger's idea. We told the president, this is crazy. Don't even think. Don't even think these superannuated generals have any chance of uh, bringing, bringing Portugal back into the, the ranks of fascism. So that was, the, that was unique in my experience. And I served under how many? Nine, uh, nine directors of central intelligence. Uh, it's it's just the way the cleavage works. The analysts don't really get a chance to to uh, complain about this. I don't know who went to Hirsch, but he certainly had a he or she had her had his or her head screwed on right because this is an act of war, and it's gonna uh, the ramifications are not gonna stop anytime soon. <laughs> you uh, have recently uh, been involved in. Uh, producing a documentary, I think, uh, to tell the world about Julian Assange, a person who, in your opinion and mine, uh, is a hero for free speech, but who's being persecuted, prosecuted, tortured 
uh, by uh, the British government at the request of the American government in an effort to bring him to the United States where <clears throat> the Department of Justice wants to prosecute him for behavior utterly and totally protected under the First Amendment and under the Pentagon Papers case. Tell us uh, a little bit uh, about the documentary. Well, uh, there are several documentaries that I've played a part in. Um, the most operative thing I can report is that John Shipton, Julian Assange's father, and his brother, Gabriel, were here in Raleigh last night, and they showed the documentary uh, Ithaca. It's, it's a very poignant documentary. It focuses in on Julian's father and how we had all the, what we used to call the theological virtues, right? Faith, hope, and mostly love, which is the greatest of these, right? Well, uh, you're really showing the Fordham in you. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I didn't think of it at the time. But I had memorized a good portion of the Aeneid, you know, by Virgil. Right. And that's a whole story about pious Aeneas, pious? No, pious is it. It's faithful, faithful Aeneas to his father. Okay, Anchises. Well, this is the Aeneid in reverse. I got to tell you, I was forced to memorize the opening lines of the Aeneid as well. Armo arumque cano troye qui primus aboris, Italian fato profugius lavina qui venit. The opening <laughs> six or eight lines of the Aeneid in here since I was 15 years old and second year Latin in high school. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> bravo, man, bravo. Well, the whole story is about how Aeneas, he carries his father through, through hell, you know, and, and he's just... Pius means faithful, and that's exactly what Julian Assange's father is being, traveling around the world in places like Raleigh, North Carolina, to show this film and to make people aware of the plight. It's going to be four years on March the 11th, no, no, April the 11th, I guess, yeah, April the 11th, that uh, Julian was, uns un well, unceremoniously dragged out of the Ecuadorian embassy. Um, he looked disheveled because they wouldn't give him a razor, right? And for a year and a half after that, I let my beard grow until my wife said, you know, this is it. It's the beard or me, just to identify myself with the way Julian looked. Does he have, does he have a chance of uh, avoiding extradition or a chance of becoming a free person again? Uh, if we looked at the United States, I say no, because the deep state that is, the FBI, the CIA, NSA are running things. I do not exaggerate. They're running things, okay? Now, Australia is a different case. Uh, there's a new government in there, relatively new. They're meeting, actually today, Biden is meeting with their Albanese, their, their uh, president or prime minister now. So there's a chance. But Albanese says nice things, as most people do. He needs to stand up at his two hind feet and said, "Look, this is this is my citizen, uh, Chivas Romanus sum, right? Right, right. I am a Roman citizen. Yeah, it's Saint Paul saying, look, don't fool around with me. I'm a, a Roman citizen.' And they send him to Rome instead of torturing him. Right. That's what Albanese has to do. Say, look, he's an Australian citizen. If you take him to the United States, it's not going to be a, a, a cakewalk." 
I mean, you still have a First Amendment. I mean, you'll, you'll have a hanging judge, but it'll all come out what happened. So right. maybe the best thing for you to do, Mr. Biden, is to bring him back or let him come back to Australia. That would be the decent thing to do. Now, the relationship between Albanese and Biden is such that, that Biden will easily say, well, no, we don't want to do that. And then the question is, will Albanese, like uh, Olaf Scholz, Joseph Santoro, okay, all right. Now what, and, and, what, and what did Julian Assange do? Julian Assange exposed murder and war crimes by the federal government of the United States of America under the presidency of George W. Bush. And for that, the federal government wants to put him in jail for the rest of his life, and the Brits are holding him in solitary confinement, destroying his um, his mental state. Yeah, he's under psychological torture. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, happened last night, uh, Stella Morris, of course, uh, Julian's wife, plays a major role in this documentary. And she's talking with Julian on the phone, and this is... Is that, is that her name, Stella Morris, Star oh. of the Sea? Well, that's her... <laughs> I'll say that's her pseudonym, okay? Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got it, too, Stella Morris. I don't know anybody else that saw that. You know, they spell it a little different. Anyhow, uh, he's on the phone with Stella, and, he, and she says, yeah, that's right. That's right. There was a demonstration in front of the prison by Orientals humming and singing and chanting. And Julian says, yeah, without a song, you don't have a movement. You need music for a movement. And uh, I felt, felt very affirmed on that because I think I'm the only person that sang a song before the Security Council of the United Nations. And so they asked me to sing a song again last night. So I sang, We Shall Overcome. And that seemed to resonate because I think we need to have hope I hope that Julian can be free. Ray McGovern, always a pleasure. Please come back and join us again, my dear friend. Thank you very much. Thank you. More as we get it, Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.